1: All right, so last week we were talking about that plan that came out of New Zealand, which I think is pretty cool. For no other reason than it's different, than it's something that we haven't heard before, because we haven't really been all that inventive when it comes to reducing smoking. And And as I said, call me a cynic, but I think the reason for that has largely been because governments want to seem like they're opposed to smoking, but at the same time, there's a revenue thing. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it's, and it's easy to just increase taxes, increase taxes, increase taxes. But I mean, what else could we do? And now, so the New Zealand plan yes, or that came out last week was here's what we're going to do. Starting next year, if you're 14, you cannot buy cigarettes in New Zealand. Okay, next year, it goes to 15, then it goes to 16. So basically what they're saying is starting next year, anybody, 14 and younger, will never, ever, at any point in their lives, be allowed to legally buy cigarettes in New Zealand because it's going to go up year after year after year after year. So 50 years from now, somebody is going to have to prove that they're 65 years old in order to buy cigarettes in New Zealand. Anybody under 65, it'll be illegal for them to buy smoke 50 years from now. Now that's doing something. Is that something that we could do here? We're going to chat now with Rob Cunningham, who's a policy analyst with the Canadian Cancer Society. Rob Thank you for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. No problem. Great to be with you. So what's your reaction to this New Zealand plan? How do you feel about it?
0: Well, I think it's very innovative. Uh, New Zealand gets credit. This idea called the tobacco-free generation has been discussed for a number of years at tobacco control conferences. New Zealand's actually the first country to do it. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, they're about to do it. And, you know, there was an example in Sri Lanka more than 100 years ago with uh, significant opium use and addiction. And they did basically this. They said that anyone who is uh, born of a certain year or later will never be able to purchase or use opium. But those people who are currently addicted, they could continue. And over time, it made a difference, you know, a significant uh, difference in terms of opium in that country. So I think uh, think we're going to see more countries look at it, and clearly... No one wants youth to smoke, and yeah. I think that's why there's public support.
1: Um, how are we doing with, with the different measures that we have in Canada? I mean, uh, there's still a fair number of Canadians that are smoking and starting to smoke, right?
0: Yes. Um, we have uh, 13%, 4.2 million Canadians who still smoke, which is a lot. It's a leading preventable disease of death and death in Canada, causing almost 48,000 uh, deaths each year, about 30% of cancer deaths. And every month we have more youth that begin, despite everything that we've done really? and everything that we know. And, um, and, and, of course, there's an entirely new situation of youth vaping, which has just gone uh, in terms of increases uh, that have been dramatic. So uh, it's a whole new generation of youth becoming addicted to nicotine, uh, despite the progress you know, that we've made to reduce e-smoking. Okay, so
1: are you including vaping when you say that more people are starting, or more people are starting cigarettes
0: every year? Are we still battling with that? Yeah, I mean, I think e-smoking is down. Okay, okay. Compared to what it was uh, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. But still, there's new starters. (laughs) Um, There are people who are starting to smoke as teenagers, and overwhelmingly... Those who start smoking do so as underage uh, teenagers. And so, you know, we have a lot of work to do. You know, we need a comprehensive strategy. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, by the Alberta government, by the federal government, uh, there is an objective that Health Canada has of, of under 5% tobacco use by 2035. Um, and we need to achieve that by a whole series of measures. And right now we're over 10%? Uh, we are at 13% um, in terms of Canadians, uh, 12 and above. Um, who smoke, and there's some other types of tobacco products as well, like cigars and so on. Um, but, yeah, we have, a, we have a lot of work to do, and, you know, that's why, you know, we need, um, you know, in Alberta, our tobacco taxes, uh, you know, Alberta lower than some other Western provinces. Uh, we need to have more programs uh, for cessation and youth prevention and to send the bill to tobacco companies through an annual fee, such as the federal government is about to do, such as the U.S. government has done since 2009. Uh, tobacco should not be sold in every convenience store. You know, it should be restricted for sale in tobacco-specific stores like we do for cannabis. And, in fact, New Zealand is no longer going to allow tobacco sales in convenience stores. And federally, you know, uh, a whole series of measures. Certainly one thing that Alberta could do immediately is age 21, yeah. tobacco and cigarettes. Uh, Pi has already done that. 30 U.S. states have done that. There's a new national law in the U.S. that's done that. And certainly that's a very easy thing. I that could be done in the meantime. And, and a whole series of things by the federal government, a new round of warnings on practices. having a warning directly on the cigarette itself is an opportunity for, for, to, for Canada to be first on that. Health Canada's already consulted on that. Important, uh, the cost recovery fee. Um, and you know, basically treat the epidemic like, the, like an epidemic. Um- just let me be
1: cynical, Rob, because the things that you're talking about, we've been, I, I, I'm a guy who just recently quit smoking, but I smoked for a long time, and I know about the taxes going up all the time, and I know about the warnings, and I know about the changing on the packaging, and I, all these sorts of things, but you're saying we've done all those things. We still have young people starting to smoke. We still have 13% that are smoking. Isn't it time to say, okay, what we've been doing has been maybe a little bit effective, but we need to do something more?
0: Oh, Absolutely. And, you know, we have made progress. In 1965, 50% of Canadians smoked, including 61% of men. So for that to go down to 13% is significant. But we do need to do enormously more. And the Alberta government, the health minister, and uh, all 10 provinces, in fact, are currently in negotiations with Big Tobacco to settle the health care cost recovery lawsuits. So provincial governments are seeking more than $500 billion in damages Mm -hmm. collectively, And, uh, you know, this settlement is a historic opportunity to have measures to control the industry so that in the future, uh, they're not repeating what they've done in the past uh, to reform industry behavior. And also, you know, at least 10 percent of all proceeds of a settlement should actually go to uh, initiatives, programs to reduce tobacco use. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um,
1: any discussion around a New Zealand-type plan? Like you say, it's been around for a while. I mean, what's, what do you anticipate being on the horizon for the Canadian smoking cessation campaigns that we
0: see? Well, what's, what's been successful is a comprehensive strategy. Not just one thing, yeah. but many things. And I think the New Zealand example, it's actually had worldwide attention. It has. Um, yeah, and I've, had, <laughs> I've been contacted by people I know, you know uh, like here in Canada, in, in a way that is it, it, not typical. Um, you know, friends and relatives and so on. Um, And this is, uh, I think think we should examine it in Canada. It is feasible to implement in Canada, along with other measures. And I think as more countries do it, uh, you know, we're going to see it in Canada. So we had, you know, Canada was the first country to require those pictures of the health effects on cigarette packages. There's now more than 130 countries uh, and territories that have done that. Australia was the first to require plain packaging so that, you know, the brand part... It's not allowed. You have uh, you know, an unattractive brown color. Canada has done it. We have more than 20 countries and territories that have done it. So someone's got to go first. Yeah, and, absolutely. And then makes it easier for others to do it and to overcome opposition from the tobacco industry.
1: Interesting stuff. Rob, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Anytime. Thanks very much. You bet. That's Rob Cunningham, a policy analyst with the Canadian Cancer Society like I said, I kind of like this New Zealand thing. I see a bunch of you on the text line saying, well, where does it stop? What about drugs? What about, you know, uh, um, uh, alcohol? And we're telling people you can smoke alcohol or smoke marijuana and they can drink alcohol. What about fast food? And on and on and on it goes. Okay, fair enough. But when it comes to smoking for me personally, and I'm a guy who smoked for, geez, 35 years. Right. Um, And I, it's the hypocrisy that's, that's always sort of, Smack me in the faces. We don't want people to smoke. We don't want people to smoke. Well, then tell people they can't smoke, you know, but you you don't do that. You just keep turning up the taxes on them over and over and over and over and over. And we talked last week, $8.3 billion in tax revenue, the Canadian government made, right? Um, and then you bring in your warnings and you bring in your labels and you change your packaging and they're, they're no good. That's no good. Come on. I I don't know I mean, if you're a smoker and you're addicted to smoking, you can put them in a, in a pack with a big skull and crossbones on them and people are going to smoke them. They know, they know at this point that it's not good for you. If, you. if you don't know that it's not good for you at this point, you're just not paying attention, right?